Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Hey, Andrew. Good morning there, Edwin. I want to talk about kings today. I thought we were going to talk about the Psalms today. Right. We're going to talk about kings in the Psalms today. Hey, how about that? You know, I think there's some king talk in Psalm 5. Psalm 5. I am reading from the English Standard Version today. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors bloodthirsty and deceitful men. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth, their inmost self is destruction, their throat is an open grave, they flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God, let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice, let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. My king and my God. That's that's the statement that really grabbed my attention as I was reading Psalm 5 this week. What an incredible confession to make. Um, you know, we've been talking a little bit about some themes running through these psalms. Uh, and if you've, you know, been along with these conversations, you know that uh, this theme of king uh, has come up several times before. The, the righteous man, but also the king, um, the Lord, his anointed, these rulers. Uh, David, who is, um, the psalm is attributed to David, right? Psalm 5, uh, has the role of being the anointed king and leader of Israel, but at the same time his confession is there's a genuine king. This authority that David has, it it's from God. God is the king of his people Israel. How humbling do you think it would be to be the king, to be the one sitting on the throne, to be the one wearing the crown, to be the one that everyone bows before, and to have to cast that crown down? Take off that robe, step down from the throne, get down on your own knees, lying prostrate, mm. and say, okay, I mean, really, you're the king. I, I'm I, I'm not really the king. Really, you're the king. I tell you, it would do my heart good to think that leaders of nations actually did that. Like, they all did. Mm -hmm. Because I, I think that uh, how important is that, that we remember who we are. And, and I think you're right. I think that if you're a person who is in a position of authority, uh, power, or wealth, and, and people really do treat you with great deference, uh, it, it would be excellent, excellent to recognize God Almighty as the king. In worldly terms, of course, this is well after David, but I do think about like in the Roman Empire, because you had kings sure. who then had to turn around and give obeisance to the emperor. Mm-hmm. And so even though they had their own little fiefdom, mm -hmm. they had their own little area of control that they were trying to 
keep in check or keep under their control and, sure. and maybe maybe even have some freedom to just basically kind of do with it what they want. But they then had to turn around and say, I mean, but 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 really, it's not me. Really, it's that guy over there in Rome. So that's like a worldly illustration yeah. or analogy. And this is what David is saying. David is saying, I'm really the vassal. And, and then to continue on with, with that, with the Romans, you had a time when the emperors themselves just lost their minds and began telling people they were gods, mm. right? And, and they wanted the worship and they wanted incense burned to them and all of this. And so you see the, uh, the uh, danger, I guess, of this unchecked ego and power uh, when a person really believes, oh, I am the absolute, I am the king. So with David, though, Jerusalem, uh, Judea, Israel was not a vassal nation to any other human nation. No. He says, I'm a vassal to God. Mm-hmm. I'm a vassal to God. There, there is a king. There's a real king. I'm, I, I'm, I'm his ambassador. I'm his, uh, uh, his instrument. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. really is a real king. It makes me think, I'm thinking back in history to the judges. Mm-hmm. And a couple of times in the book of Judges, it says there was no king in Israel at that time. Mm-hmm. So everybody did just what was right in their own heart. Yeah, and that's, that's the note. That's the words that the book ends on, the book of Judges. And really, it's, it's terrifying. It, it, a couple of things going on there. Um, it does mark out a time, I suppose, that these things were happening before the monarchy, before Saul is anointed king, before David is anointed king. But really, it underscores, I believe, that the people had rejected the leadership, the kingship of God Almighty, and had placed themselves in the throne of their own lives and the goings-ons in their cities. So now we've got a king, but what David really demonstrates is, no, no, actually, we've always had a king. Yeah, why is David a good king? Because he understands and he appreciates God as the king of this people. We've, we've always had a king, and so when, when that is said in Judges, and it seems to me that Judges must obviously be written after there was a king, looking back to that time period, uh, after there was a monarchy, after Saul or David had been established, maybe even much later than that, but uh, it, it's the idea that the mistake those people had made, it wasn't that there wasn't a king, it was that they did not recognize who was king. Yes, yes. That is the problem. And, and so, of course, we get to Samuel, mm-hmm. who is also a judge. He's a prophet. And the people cry out, mm-hmm. give us a king. Mm-hmm. Give us a king to be like the other nations. I, I do believe that God had actually always planned to give Israel a king. I mean, even when, when the law is written, there's law about the king who's going to come. Mm-hmm. God knew mm-hmm. that was coming. In fact, I think it was part of his plan. It was a part of the plan that he wanted because that was going to foreshadow the king, Mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about. I want to talk about in just a moment. It's foreshadowing the true ultimate king. But how they did it was wrong. How they got there. We want a king to be like the other nations. Not we want a king if God wants us to have a king. We want a king to be like the other nations. Not even saying we want a king like we read about, I think it's in Deuteronomy. That's right. right? There had been some provisions given in God's law for a day when there would be a monarchy. And that was supposed to look like a man of God Mm -hmm. who would even write this scripture and write this law, his own copy for himself. And you think about what a... a, um, character-shaping, faith-building exercise that would be. That was what God had in store. But like you said, that wasn't the king they were asking for. Give us one like all these other nations. All these other nations are pagan, bloodthirsty, (laughs) wicked people. Yeah. Okay, now let's, let's, let's take this to us. Sure. Take this to us. Because when I hear this, there's actually a New Testament account 
that it reminds me of. Or maybe I should say there's a New Testament account that reminds me of this. It's there's, a little different. Yeah, so the echo from the statement, my king and my God. Yeah, that statement, my king and my God, that, that's, that's the one that's really got my attention. And when I think about that, I remember that Jesus, after his resurrection, mm-hmm. appeared to the apostles except for one. Mm-hmm. And that fellow was Thomas. Mm-hmm. And it is sad to me that he is mostly remembered for this event because there's some other events in the Gospels where he really stands out and shines as, as yeah. one of the best. Here, of course, we've, we, we've got him and maybe at his weakest, at his, at his worst. And well, we all have those kinds of days. But he says, unless I see him, I'm not going to believe. Yeah. What were you saying? Well, sorry, I was just going to say we, we call him Doubting Thomas. <laughs> but at the same time, he, his is one of those handful of good confessions recorded for us in the Bible. Mm. Uh, we could do just as well to remember that. Yeah. And in fact, there's the confession when he, Jesus sees him. Uh, oh, it looks like you've already flipped yeah. it. Are you at the passage? How about I do that? Yeah, so ahead, in, yeah. it's John 20, verse 24. It says, Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Can I tell you a story real quick? Please, please tell me a story. Yeah, so uh, a number of years ago, you you know I've done a lot of uh, study on Islam, the religion mm-hmm. of Islam. and had an opportunity a number of years ago, I was having a conversation with an imam, and one of the things he was talking about, of course, in Islam, they uh, they cast Jesus very differently. Um, they say, well, we believe in Jesus too, but they say that Jesus was a created being, a man and a prophet. God had sent prophets before and God sent prophets after. Uh, they do not believe and they deny that Jesus is the son of God. That's a that's a doctrinal sin in that, in that religion, in that system. And so as this Islamic teacher is discussing with me about Jesus, uh, he was saying, well, he's, he's never called God, and you call him God. And I said, well, let me show you a passage in the Bible where it says that. And I, I read this. Thomas makes this confession, my Lord and my God, my King and my God. And he said, well, I, I don't think that's confessing that he believed that. He goes, I, I just think that that was shock that he, he, he said this out of shock. In a, He's uh, taking the Lord's name in vain. Yes. He accused Thomas of swearing and taking the Lord's name in vain uh, because uh, Jesus could show all this evidence of crucifixion, but it didn't kill him. He didn't die. And so he's so shocked to see Jesus here alive. Mm. And, and I just said, no, my friend, no. Well, <laughs> there is no way that Jesus would bless even even your mistaken idea of Jesus as a prophet. There is no way that Jesus would bless him for swearing and taking the name of the Lord in vain. That's wrong in both these religions. Yeah, no, <laughs> I said you are mistaken. <laughs> yeah, and and when the connection, I think that as John has recorded this, the connection, I think he is connecting it back to Psalm five. 
Okay. I think there is, I think we really should consider this in Psalm 5. I get that Lord and King are different words, but as you read through Psalm 5, all around this confession in Psalm 5 is Lord, Lord, Lord. He's talking to the Lord who is my King and my God. And now when Thomas says this, Mm -hmm. this is a confession that comes right out of this Psalm. It may have even been in Thomas's mind, Mm -hmm. my Lord, my God, my King, my God. And what is Thomas, when he is saying that, he is saying even more than just, you know what, you are my Lord and you are my God. He is actually saying, you know the one David said that about back in Psalm 5? Mm-hmm. That's who you are. And the demonstration of this was the resurrection. That we only call Thomas Doubting Thomas, but maybe we should just call him Realist Thomas. <laughs> because how many people have crucified, died, and buried, <laughs> Yeah, and then arose? Yeah. Okay, you know that his 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 level of of uh, what belief of faith. I don't think it's unreasonable. I want to see it for myself. Mm-hmm. So what I need to remember is I have a king. Mm-hmm. I am not allowed to do what's right in my own eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do what is right in his eyes. Yeah, he is the king. Mm-hmm. Proven on his resurrection. And that's where I need to be today. Genuine resurrection. Today is I give allegiance to my king. I have a king. I'm going to do what he says. Mm-hmm. That, that's where I need to be today. I'm mm-hmm. going gonna, gonna to live his kingdom plan, whatever yeah. it is. Even when I don't like it, that's, yeah. that's where I need to be. Appreciate the conversation and glad for everyone who's able to listen in here. Hope that this has been helpful to you. Let us know what you're learning. Send us an email at texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. We've got several conversations from Psalm 5 lined up for this week. We'd love to know what you're thinking about it. Texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Andrew, would you wrap us up with a prayer? Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that we might open up the Psalms and consider Psalm 5 together to talk about it. And Father, particularly as we have considered this confession, my King. Father, we want you to be our King, that our Lord and our God is Jesus Christ who died for our sins and rose again. And so, Father, help us to to push out any conflict, but to be pure in heart, that you sit upon the throne of our hearts and our lives, you rule, and we would serve you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.